Hello, my lovelies. Welcome to a very special Rahalestapa. This is the one that we were meant to do at the O2. But then the virus came just... Just the lockdown happened. They were going to do it at the O2 offices. And finally, we're doing it remotely. It's me and James Acaster. Lots and lots of special stuff in this. James is brilliant. And there's fun and surprises all the way through. Uh, thank you to O2 for paying us for doing it. That That's... A nice extra from my point of view, and uh, certainly helps us get through this period of <laughs> no fucking work. Um, look, if you're enjoying these podcasts, uh, you can become a monthly badger, get your cool kids memento, membership card, badges, those two beautiful badges. Uh, loads of extras, we're dumping lots of stuff in the uh, extra videos, including backstage interviews, which we've started doing again with the remote ones. Um, I think there's an extra bit of James Acaster, actually. I must remind Chris about that. Chris, remember about the extra bit of James Acaster. And, um, uh, yes, or you can follow us on Twitch and uh, twitch.tv slash Herring. Follow us, you'll get notifications of when I'm live. I'm going to try all sorts of stuff on there. And um, also you can subscribe if you're with Amazon Prime. You know the deal. You can subscribe and give us some money at no cost to yourself. You can go to GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy brilliant things like these signed copies of How Not to Grow Up with a lovely cock drawn in them. Can you see the cock? It's the, There we go. Look at that. That's beautiful. That's drawn by me. That's a herring original. That'll be worth millions of pounds one day. You can buy emergency questions books, three for £20, if you want to buy all the existing emergency questions books, or £10 each. And you can buy my downloads. You can buy Top Trump cards. Look, it's all crazy. So uh, there's lots of ways to help us out. Lots of Most of this money gets ploughed back into making more podcasts and keeping us running during this difficult time. Uh, there's more snooker going on on Twitch on the evening times. I'm thinking of trying to do a, some kind of comedy show uh, you know, because the snooker series and the stone clearing series, it's time for a comedy show on Twitch. We'll see how that goes. Stay tuned and you'll find out. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Raha Last Abha with James A. Castor. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who thought he was playing the O2. It's Richard Herring. Hello. Hello there. Welcome to a very special edition of Richard Herring's Let's Sell Telephones podcast. Um, so I was hanging out with uh, Ian Oxygen the other day. He, he's the guy who invented the O2 network. He calls it Rahalastaba, so I don't know if that's going to catch on. We'll see. Uh, this is a very special Rahalastaba brought to you by Priority on O2. Been very kind to pay us for doing this, so thank you for that. Uh, Priority is exclusively for O2 customers. Let me give you a little bit of information about them just so they, they're happy. Priority brings O2 customers a collection of invite-only moments like this. This is one of those moments just for being on O2, from daily treats like getting a weekly coffee on the house, that sounds good, to getting first eyes on fashion collections or getting first dibs on gig tickets. Priority is exclusive to O2 customers and is our way of saying thanks for being on O2. To get Priority, download the app from the relevant app store or text PRIORITY to 2020. You've got to be able to spell PRIORITY to do that, and I'm not going to help you. It's quite a hard word to spell. So... This is a very exciting gig for me. We were meant to do it back in March, I think, initially. It was going to, I was told I was playing the O2. I was very excited. And then it wasn't the big O2. Then I found out it wasn't even the little O2. It was the bar that serves the little O2, which is, was slightly disappointed, but I thought it's still playing the O2. I'm very excited. Then uh, lockdown, well, actually, just everything was being cancelled. So then we had the idea of, doing it at the O2 office, which was not as exciting as playing the O2, but still I'd meet some of the staff who worked for O2, would be exciting. And then the day before I was meant to drive into London to meet my guest, uh, the lockdown was brought into a force. So it was, it was going from the O2 to now, a couple of months later, into my house and into my guest's house. It's very exciting. So it still counts. I'm still saying I've played the O2 in a way. It's very nice of them to have me. Um, I'll give you just a... Not much has been going on because I'm in lockdown. Uh, but um, I've been looking after my kids quite a lot instead of working. Uh, it's difficult looking after your own kids. No one warned me that this would happen. This would happen. It's the worst thing that's happened. Uh, what I like about hanging out with kids is they get, they get pleasure from very simple things. My daughter's five, my son's two. They get a lot of pleasure from just running around in a circle, just really fast. It can be one of them. It can be both of them. 
they find that endlessly exciting. I've tried it. It's not so good for me. My daughter used to really love jumping in puddles. Uh, not so much now. My son really loves that. Just get so much out of it. At what point in your life does it change? What point do you suddenly go, no, I'm not going to run around in circles anymore. That's no good. There must be a day when you're doing it and then the next day you don't want to do it anymore and then it's forgotten and it's gone. It's quite, it's quite a tragic moment. I'm, I'm, I hope my children will love running around in a very tight circle for as long as possible. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. It's probably the best thing in life. Uh, my daughter's also really got into playing Pac-Man, which I'm very excited about because that was a video game I played as a kid, and now she's playing it. She calls it Wacka Wacka, which I think is a better name than Pac-Man. Uh, and so I'm very proud. I think it's, for me, it's probably the same as if I'd said to my dad, I really liked reading Swallows and Amazons, which was a book, not a porn film. Uh, it was a more innocent time back then. He loved Swallows and Amazons. I did not care for it. Um but I would have made him proud if I had. Uh, but she's made me proud by playing Pac-Man. I've also noticed like she's, we don't really like them playing on the iPad too much. Uh, we, we'll like let them watch TV. When I was a kid, they didn't like us watching TV too much and we'd have to go and read a book. It's just kind of nudged along one. It's like now watching TV is sort of more classy than playing the iPad and more educational. Anyway, enough of my childish nonsense. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, guest for you. Today, he's probably best known for being thanked in the credits of Tim Timoney, Tim Timoney, Tim Tim to you. That's why we're all here today to see him. Will you please welcome the amazing returning James Acaster, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Wow, he was under the table all along. Hello. Hello, Hello how Richard. are you doing? Good, thank you. And I mean, I know you always do a little uh, jokey intro, yeah. but that is a credit that I am genuinely proud of. What, what did you do uh, so... to help Tim Vine out with Tim Timoney, Tim Timoney, Tim Tim to you? I came up with the name of the show. That's what I did. We were in Melbourne at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And yeah. it was me, him and Tim Key went for lunch in the or breakfast in the morning. And he said, uh, Tim Vine was saying, I've really got to come up with this title today. My manager is texting me and saying, they need it in the programme, Tim. And I don't know what to call it. Yeah. And so it's me and Key, you know, doing joke titles. And I said that one at one point for a laugh. Thought he, <laughs> he, he won't do that. And then he he did it, and then in, at the end of the festival, I arrived there, and there's loads of posters of Tim Vine dressed as a chimney sweep. <laughs> and then I, I, I go to see his show, and he comes out of a giant chimney, and it was really funny watching it go. And Tim's had to get a chimney made because I, for a laugh, told him to call it Tim Timothy Tim Timothy Tim Tim to you. That deserves more it. than a thanks. That's that's got to be a writing credit, not a thanks. Yeah, you've been, you've be, been really. done out of that. Did he pay you yeah. anything for uh, for for the title? He gave me a signed poster. <laughs> I, I, I turned up at, I turned up at one of my tour shows and it was in the dressing room framed with a <laughs> signed Tim Timothy Tim Timothy Tim Tim to you poster. It said, not, thanks for the thanks for the title. From that's Tim. not bad. That's I mean that'll probably you can probably get a bit for that on eBay. Yeah. Especially that's I mean, not... you know, in, in these times with uh with lockdown and with steadily with you know less and less options of how we're gonna make money. Yeah. That poster could really help me out. The poster, we've mentioned it before, the genius poster that Tim Vine did was the one that when he took that massive billboard down at the in Cowgate saying in Edinburgh, saying Tim Vine is not appearing at this year's Edinburgh Festival. It was the best thing that's ever happened at the Edinburgh Fringe. I think it is because like I wasn't there that year. I, <laughs> right. I think it was before I ever went. Um, and everybody knows that story. Everyone's yeah. told each other. You know, people who weren't there have told other people who weren't there about this great <laughs> thing that Tim Vine did. Um, it's it's amazing, like, but it was great because you'd pass that. I'd pass it like probably every single day. It made me laugh every single day. And in Edinburgh, when you you get depressed at some point, just having yeah. one definite, it was the way you know. It's hard to describe because a lot of it was his face, but it's a great <laughs> idea anyway. But just well, to have what, a definite laugh every single day was it was a good thing for the fringe. The way I understand it is yeah. that didn't it like slowly reveal itself? So it was like at the top of a hill or something. So that as you came up the hill, you would see his face. Then you would see the words Tim Vine. Yeah. And then it would be, it's not a period at Edinburgh Fest. So I guess like, that could have happened. That's what yeah. someone said to me. But it was at the bottom the thing, of a hill, like, so it might have worked the other in reverse. Might, I'm not yes, sure. bottom of a hill. I'm but it, sure. it's going to be those things that kind of like, <laughs> gradually over time stuff gets added. It's like, and he had like flyers that year. And they were giving flyers out that said he wasn't at the Edinburgh Festival. And, yeah. You should do it. Well, I've already lost, I mean, I've, I've lost five grand from this year's cancelled Edinburgh Festival because I foolishly paid for my accommodation in advance and the uh, the company oh that God. letted me the fact don't have any money left. 
got you. They've spent my money, so uh, I might not yeah. get that back. So I've, it's still not the worst Edinburgh I've had, though, even though I've lost sure. £5,000 without even going. Yeah. Oh, you've had some horrific ones. <laughs> like, you know. It's and, in the uh, top half of the most successful Edinburghs, I would say and that. And you let people know about it. <laughs> Let's face it. If there's... There's two things Richard Herring loves to let people know about. <laughs> how, how much money he's lost at Edinburgh and how much money he's given to charity. <laughs> those are the two. Those are the two. That's very true. Um, I, I made notes because we did, we did, we were all ready to go with this back in uh, March. And I made notes about for this interview in March that now no longer makes sense to me. So I want to read one of those out and see if it makes sense right. to you. All I wrote was Weetabix has no binding agent in it. Does that yes, make any true. sense to you? Well, yeah, I mean, why uh, would why have I said that about you? So, uh, Weetabix, <laughs> uh, the Weetabix factory, yeah, is located next to Kettering in a small town called Burton Latimer. Okay. Now, a lot of the time, Kettering gets credited for Weetabix comes from Kettering. Burton Latimer is essentially right on the side of Kettering. Yeah. It's you know, it's like an extended universe, uh, but it's not Kettering. So, okay. but. We still take a lot of pride in Weetabix, and it is still the <laughs> cereal of Kettering. Still, yeah. a lot of people in Kettering work at the Weetabix factory. And yes, you're right; there is no binding agent. I went to the factory once for a, uh, a tour. We yeah. got shown around, and one of the things I was most impressed by, or surprised <laughs> by, was the fact that there's no binding agent. It's just, it's just c- compacted so much right. that it forms the bix, and that's just the way. And, and also, like, there's different stages of it where it's like more pliable as it goes along until it gets to that solid Bix. Sure. But yeah, no The, the thing, the ironic, ironic thing about that is Weetabix is an amazing binding agent in itself. If you get yeah. Weetabix wet and then let yes. it dry, it's almost impossible to get that off whatever you've put. You could use that to glue stuff to the wall. Yeah. So, so in a way, it's like, it's like someone saying, fun fact, there's no binding agent in glue. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad I've got to the bottom of uh, why why we I had... discovered something else about Weetabix recently during what? lockdown. I discovered this during lockdown because um, I accidentally bought some Tesco own brand Weetabix. Oh no! Rather than original OG Weetabix. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, a, a, mem- a member of my family, let's yeah. say, w- works at the Weetabix factory. Sure. And um, I was told. I said to him, "I'm really sorry, man. I bought some." Uh, home brand stuff and didn't buy your proper one yeah and uh and he was like oh we make that as well so weetabix factory makes all the weetabix even the own brand what? stuff that other people came they make it all but yeah. it is a different recipe they do a different recipe for the own brand stuff and it's not as healthy so the own brand stuff is worse for you and a lot so of they the time, make it deliberately not as healthy for you yeah. so just to, to punish you for paying getting it cheaper yeah have you eaten Weetabix while we're talking about no, that? No, I'm not. I'm just um, enjoying a little pudding I've got here. What pudding have you got? It's, um, do you not, not recognise that, James? Oh, no. Do you know what this is? This is actually is really your, delicious. Is that your off-menu dessert? That is Bella's pudding. I was on <laughs> off-menu. <laughs> it is much better today. I made it yesterday. I found... Um, Gail Venkner got in touch with me. So many people. I was on Off Menu uh, with yes. what has been heralded as the best and worst episode of Off Menu ever. Absolutely. Divided the world. Not, not even a joke. That is, <laughs> that is the reaction. I, um, I, yes, cho- I For my dessert, I chose a thing called Bella's Pudding, which my grandma made, which we'd lost the recipe for. I couldn't really describe it. Um, I discovered it's a hot dessert. I didn't remember that. Right. Uh, I'm eating it cold at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is, if you want to see the whole thing, it's gone a bit, it looks a bit, it's got a bit congealed because I made it yesterday. That's what it looks like, right? So it's that. Brilliant. It's a sort of caramel based thing on the bottom and the meringue on the top, as I explained. Excellent. It's absolutely, yesterday I ate some and I thought, oh God, this is actually inedible. Today, it's it's it. It's definitely right. it. I wasn't sure it was the no, same thing. Gail Venkner from, <laughs> I was hoping just to keep eating that all the way through and then you I, not, I really, then you really. <laughs> You shouldn't. You shouldn't have done it while we're talking about wheat. I know that think, was oh, the problem, he's, he's but it's all right. Up. That's uh, Gail Venkner sent me this recipe that her grandma made it. for butterscotch pudding. This is definitely it. One hundred percent it. This is great. Um, and uh, I thought it was going to be a horrible thing to eat, but it's full of sugar. I made it myself. I've never made anything yeah. like this. I made it for you, James, but I can't. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll put some in an envelope and send it to you. After oh, the... at this stage, I wouldn't not eat it. Put it I've got. Way. I can. I can put it in a little Tupperware, and then yeah. I can send some to. Is is um 
I had able to eat things that are basically just made completely of sugary. He just has to eat it at a certain time, right? He's, he's just got to allow for. He's got to yeah. calculate the insulin, do all that stuff. Because yeah. there's so much sugar in this. Yeah, but it's astonishing. It's astonishing. This is absolutely it. So horrible meringue on the top. Yeah. Um, I've, I've put a little video up in the members section of my badges, <laughs> of my badges, which shows me cooking it. Yeah. A lot of sugar. You put sugar. I'll tell you what you do. If anyone wants to make it at home, you need four ounces of dark brown sugar, two separated eggs, two tablespoons of plain flour, two cups of milk, two tablespoons of butter, and then caster sugar. You mix yeah. the flour and the brown sugar in a saucepan. Uh, you add the egg yolks, beaten, and the milk gradually, and you stir it in. You bring to the boil, and then it comes. It doesn't look like it's going to go thick. Then it goes thick. Then you put it in <laughs> a. You, you add the butter. Then you put the in a buttered pie dish like that. That kind of dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it would work in another kind of pie dish. Then you beat the egg whites and make meringue. Add yeah. the caster sugar. Put it in the oven for fifteen minutes, hundred and seventy degrees. Bang. Leave it to the next day because it's that yeah. is it. I'm so happy, and then, and then it's the memory. My the memory. Do- my yeah. daughter ate it and thought it was horrible. My son ate it and really liked it. And now right. I have to say, I was going to tell you it was disgusting. It's like something from the war. Look at it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. Yeah. It, oh, it's, it's good, war, man. War, war brown. It's well. really good. So there, thank you for helping me discover that. I had. Thank you so much for coming on the episode. For being... I mean, <laughs> the the. Reaction to that episode <laughs> was so brilliant. And I, I wouldn't normally tell guests this, <laughs> but I'm only telling you because I think out of all the guests we've ever had, you're the one who will absolutely love this kind of reaction the most. Because uh, at the start of it, I think I made some joke about, you know, someone's won a, the, our guest today has won a competition to be on the episode or something like that. And then you deliberately throughout the episode were choosing things that weren't real, and that were like imaginary and things. And uh, one of my girlfriends, I think it's my my girlfriend's mum or one of her friends, was just like, oh, I really felt for Ed and James this week. They had this guy and he'd won a competition or something. And then he just didn't understand the format. And he was like making food up and guessing it. And they were being so patient with him. <laughs> but he really didn't seem to have a handle on what he was doing. And, and it was... Like, he will be so delighted. <laughs> I am delighted by that. Fall in for it that much. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I had a great time. Well, Ed was very cross, and that was really yes. all I wanted to make happen. Not enough people make him cross on it. Too yeah. many people go for me, knowing that they'll upset me if they choose a cheese board or something. But <laughs> you've got to remember that you've got a number of... You've got two, at least two courses before that when you can really upset Ed. So. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, it was very good. You can still listen to that uh, if you want. And off menu is, I mean, you've been like, you went to America with off menu, right? Or did you actually go to America or were you doing them? We yeah. did. We, we went there for uh, two weeks earlier in the year yeah. to record some episodes with uh, American comics. And it's a trip that now seems both stupid and unnecessary, <laughs> given that in lockdown now we're just Zooming each other and doing podcasts over Zoom. So we could have just all the guests from home. We didn't yeah. need to go to them. But at the same time, because of lockdown, absolutely delighted that we did it. And yes. got to go to America this year. And it was awesome. We, went, we had so many great meals and stuff. And the episodes are... Well, I, I really love the episodes. But again, very, you really find out who of our listenership just across the board hates Americans. <laughs> <laughs> when you put them out and they're like, no more Americans! <laughs> I hate them Americans! <laughs> and they just don't, again, just don't get when like people are being rude to us for a joke. Americans are so rude! <laughs> Why are they being nice to you? Mm. I've, I, I'm on an absolute sugar high at the moment. I've, I've had three tiny Buzzing. little bits of that and I'm absolutely off my nuts. I'm going to crash <laughs> in about... Ten minutes, I'm going to crash. I mean, you must be right. used to this with Ed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's going to be, I'm going to be depressed. But at the moment, I feel like I've had all the yeah. drugs in the world. <laughs> it's terrible that a bit of sugar can do that to me. You do look oh. like you're buzzing. Actually, yeah, you see it in your eyes. I'm so, well, look, also, it's taken me back to yesterday when I ate it. It just tasted really wrong. It tasted lemony and it was yeah. not car- caramelly enough. And I thought I didn't boil it long enough or something. But it's taken me right back to it's my grandma. It's all very, Special. it's very moving. That's very special being able to be transported. It's like, like, that. It's like Proust. That... This is my Madeleine <laughs> biscuits. Yeah, it's La Recherche du Tom Perdu. I've never, I haven't read any Proust, but I, n- I know it because of yeah. the Monty Python sketch. 
you can rename it Proust's Pudding and your children will call it that. <laughs> and then they will try and remember it on the podcast and try and remember who this Proust fellow was. We assume that we knew him. He was probably a friend of the family. Um, and talking of America as well, is it true? I, I really, really loved that uh, pilot you did of We the Jury that you did in the UK. Oh. Thanks, but I've I read that it was in negotiations to go to America. At least, is it happening in America, or is it just one of those things that's? It's so yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a weird ongoing thing. So like yeah, over here we made the pilot and it didn't go anywhere. Like we, yeah, I was very delighted to get to make a pilot, but it didn't go anywhere. And then for years they've been trying to make a version of it there, mm. and now it's basically it's been greenlit for a pilot there, but then this has happened, like you know. Corona's happened, so yes, it's been put on hold. But yeah, last I checked, it was they were going to film a pilot of it. Cool. What's crazy about it is that I obviously wrote the part, the pilot here, and over there they've just kind of all they've done is gone. Well, we'll keep it a jury, and that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, you didn't need to pay me for that. <laughs> Why have you got me in on this? You could have made a jury sitcom, and I don't think I would have had any yeah. claim to that idea. But so they've gone. Oh yeah, you're the executive producer. Okay, I own, I own juries apparently. I own that <laughs> idea of, of juries on television. Yeah, I had that with when I did Talking Cock, which was a stand-up show initially, and then it kind of loads of European countries said, you know, got wanted to put it on, and some of them did it fairly. You know, I always saw them in a foreign uh, uh, language, which most of them I don't speak. Some of them were seemed fairly like the same as my show. I sent them the slideshow to what use if they want, and some of them absolutely maybe use one joke from the entire show and you kind of go and then <laughs> they like to sit in the front row and watch one of them which was really in you know with the director came with me as well from the UK and we couldn't understand what was going on but they put in loads of just songs where they changed the words to be about penises which was not in the <laughs> the original and one of them was a version of send in the clowns which was all very right. serious it was yeah. a very serious song and everyone was very serious. And me and my director just got the absolute worst giggles ever at this idea of someone doing this in the middle of this thing, doing a song about sending the clouds, which we couldn't understand why or what, what it was about. And the Did woman next to me... lyrics to that one? The woman next to me kept on doing, like, looking at me like this. And we were, <laughs> were just like, absolutely. And then we were on the front row as well, so the guy could see us. And we were, so it was that pain you get from school, you know, when you're not meant to be laughing. Yeah. And then it turned oh. out it was a song about date rape. And we were sitting there. Which a was not in the spirit of what Talking Cock was about, which was about Absolutely, celebrating yeah. men and and looking at the better side of men rather than the worst side of men. But also, we were sitting there laughing at it as the as the creator of it. Yeah. But you kind of went, why why have you paid why me you to do? It? Why have you paid for me to come out yeah. and watch a thing that isn't my fucking show and that is awful? Yeah, but yeah, that well, that's good. Well, I hope. Well, it was a good. It's a shame they've changed it because it was a it was a good. You should have been in it. You should have been you in it. Well, everyone told me I should have. Been. I, I, yeah. That was my choice, though. Was it? I, 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 yeah, everyone was like, you should be the main character. I was like, I can't act. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the cast in that. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. But um, yeah, I would have loved to have got the chance to do more episodes. I had a lot of ideas for it. And I don't have many ideas for it. So I, I'm not one of those people who's like, I want to do a sitcom. Yeah. You know, and I only did that one because I was like, oh, I know what I want to do. And this is going to be great. And then and, uh, all the way through. I mean, sure, loads of people have had this of like everyone, everyone around you is going, this is going to be amazing. And then at the last minute, the same people go, we don't want it. And you're like, oh, okay. I wish you told it me is... it was shit for months instead. I could have expected this. Right, I'm going to ask you some emergency questions, James. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some new ones I don't think you've had before. Stop me if you have. You've been on a, a two or three times over the years. Uh, over the last few months, I have watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother. What is the most degrading thing you've done to yourself for no apparent reason? <laughs> it's a very bad show. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to, um, I had to have a meeting once. Actually, it was when they were they were trying to get with the jury made in America. Right. They sent me around uh, to like meet loads of writers so that I could choose a writing team that I wanted to be involved sure. with it. And one of them was from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, and I had to go in the meeting and um, talk about uh, how impressed I was about How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I wasn't. But There's I a lot of like, episodes oh, of it. 
Yeah, a lot of episodes, and also from what I understand, the payoff at the end is absolutely ridiculous. Well, they they mess it up really because the I was thinking about because the girl who is the mother is turning up in quite a lot of stuff now. I think she's just done a film with Andy Samberg. She's really good, the girl who's the mother. But they Mm -hmm. but they obviously decided right at the beginning that everyone would want the two guys to get together who failed to get together. But the problem, and so the the woman spoiler alert for people who haven't seen How I Met Your Mother yet. But to be honest, it's spoiled already by existing. Um, she died, the mother dies and then the end of the series is the guy going round to hook up with the girl that he sort of should have always been with but never got together with. But that relationship didn't really ever gel, you know, so they'd yes. obviously decided right at the beginning, that'll be the thing, but actually you thought, oh, I really like this girl. Oh, She's, no. The, the, mother, the mother's really good and oh, then they, no. <laughs> they kill her. Oh dear, and uh, and you're not you go oh because it's sort of disappointing if you if you actually were in love with someone in your twenties and then you actually hook up with them in their fifties or whatever. Sure, you've missed the the exciting part of life, the having kids, the whatever. Yeah. Although I think the character couldn't have kids, but whatever. But you know, you've had all that, and also just the fantastic sex of having sex with someone in their twenties. They had had sex yeah. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so have you had, have you done anything as humiliating as that? Well, I mean, I you've mean, done a lot of humiliating things. I've done a lot of humiliating things. They've all, you know, I kind of wrote a book about them so, and, they, and they were mostly unnecessary as well. Um, yeah. like a lot of, a lot of time, I, I often think that just in general, like I thought, think about it a lot the last couple of years, especially last year, I was on tour the whole year and I just thought, why have I done this to myself? And put myself in this position where I'm on stage all the time and I feel incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like people looking at me. I don't like all the attention being on stage. I feel stupid. I feel like the show I'm doing is shit. <laughs> and I think that just since being a kid, yeah. I've just relentlessly done that, like, you know, like plays in the living room for parents. Yeah. Be like, I'm going to drive my whole day to this thing that never works out. I never put the play on and they go, that was amazing. They'll always be like, okay, yeah. Uh, Seems seems all right. Yeah, and like the you know, I, I did one once where it was just me and my friends dancing to Cotton Eye Joe, uh, and putting that on, and us pretending to be Rednecks, yeah. the band Rednecks. I remember. Don't you uh, tell me about Rednecks. Yeah, but not you know, just for anybody listening who doesn't know. I don't oh, want surely to everyone knows Rednecks. We were, we were, we were pretending to be Rednecks. <laughs> you know, the band like, Rednecks, not yeah. Rednecks. Yeah, okay. But the band uh, Rednecks thought, were pretending to be Rednecks. To be fair, yeah, to be fair, and <laughs> what a what a what a risk! They were lucky that song was that good. Like what a catchy song that everyone <laughs> just forget that they've called themselves Rednecks and they are all white. So it's like it's a real it's a real gamble. Yeah, it was a gamble. If a ga- if a band came out now <laughs> and did that, yeah, we would all be absolutely appalled. <laughs> I wouldn't even listen to the song. No. But I was six or whatever. Yeah, so, fair so like I was like, this is my jam. I love it. Don't even understand what the name means. <laughs> I had more questions about the song title and the lyrics than I did the band name. Yeah. Got an eye, Joe. Uh, Do you remember Pig yeah. in a Poke, the, the follow-up single, Pig in a Poke? It was called Poppin' an Oak. Poppin' an Oak. That was it. Poppin yeah, an oak. I bought that. Did you? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I bought that. I remember like my first time of being... Uh, feeling like my mu- music taste was being criticised. I played it in the house and my dad just went, sounds exactly like Cotton Eye Joe. I was like, <laughs> no, it doesn't, Dad! I, like, I, I, I was really like defensive about like, this guy thinks that I don't have good music taste. It's not sound exactly like pop- Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. It's just popping an oak. They're saying a different thing. Do you think it now, in, with the benefit of all your musical wisdom, do you think it sounds like a different song? Yeah, they're similar. Yeah, they're, they're, they're similar songs, actually. Uh, I think they might even be in. The, I think they're in a slightly different key. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics are different, but everything else seems pretty much the same. <laughs> they good luck. Good luck to Rednecks. I wonder what they're. Maybe I'll get them on the wonder, podcast. Yeah, in the... What they're all up to, especially the guy who used to sit on the floor and play the drum. He would just be there going. He did it like that with his whole body, but he'd just be keeping the beat constantly. Yeah. Um, and I used to love him. I used to think he was absolutely brilliant he was the only one i was watching i wasn't watching the lady who was lifting her skirt up and showing her bloomers i didn't care about that <laughs> I cared about him fair enough uh, well talking of musical tech you're, you've written um i mean we i think we probably talked about quite a lot of the stories in the book in previous podcasts because it was about your year in 2016 uh it's called perfect sound whatever uh, you yeah. had a pretty uh, disastrous year and a bad 2017, and 17. I bought music that had come out in 2016, yeah. so it's quite confusing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was me having uh, uh, a bit of a... 
admit, I call it a breakdown for shorthand, but it's quite hard to like, because I think when you call it a breakdown, uh, people think it must be something out of the ordinary that doesn't happen to many people or whatever. <laughs> and actually, it's just, it's just like, I think it's just one of those moments where you've ignored loads of stuff for ages and then it all piles up on top of you. And it sure. takes one thing, in this instance, a breakup, to kind of make you suddenly realise how much you've been carrying around and beating <laughs> yourself up about or whatever yeah. and you can't handle it anymore. Um, so, like, you know, I, I, I started going to therapy and exercising more and good things like that, but I also obsessively started buying music that came out in 2016. Sure. Um, and I'm not going to lie, Richard, it's not like I've stopped. <laughs> you've got I'm more albums than there were days in, in 2016, so that you've got... Yeah. You got pretty. Got, much, have you got every album that was released in 2016, or just no? No, it would take so long to do that. I mean, the amount of music now that gets released every I year, suppose, yeah, it's so saturated. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. Which is why I was able to do a project like this because I'd only buy ones that I liked. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had to. I was like, I can't go insane and just buy everything, and even if I don't like it. So I, I had to like it. That was the rule. But I still own. You know. I don't know exactly how much it is now, but it's definitely over 650 and okay. probably approaching 700 at this okay. point. And the fact that I can still find ones that I love and that are exciting me. During lockdown, the amount that I've discovered that I've gone, I, I love this album. And, and I can't believe that it's still another one from that year. <laughs> um, I, I find astounding, but you, you couldn't do it with, you, you'd have to be like, you know, 2009, 2010 onwards. Yeah. You can, you can do it. Okay. For any year. Because I'm not as into, I mean, you're very into music. I'm I'm not really bothered about music, I have to say. So. Oh, dear. Oh, no. You know, I, I'll listen to it if it's on. I'm <laughs> listening to a lot of, um, like, children's film soundtracks, like Moana and Annie. and yeah. uh, Moana's film soundtrack? You know what year yeah. that came out? Is it 2016? Yeah, it is. Is it? Is that one of your Excellent. choices? I bought it. Yeah. It's good, to man. There's, it's some, there's it's some good, good music in it. Lin Manuel Miranda does the music for it. Yeah, did, Hamil- did Hamilton. It's yeah, good stuff. It's very good. So I'm kind of getting into that. Uh, surely the uh, the first singles I ever bought together, I got them from. It was the same time. My daughter's just lost her first tooth, and I think it's about the same time that I'd lost. I remember losing teeth at around the same time. That's in my mind somehow. I bought uh, Fox on the Run by the Sweet and right. Wombly Merry Christmas, that's got to have been a good year that's for good. music. Surely that year, whatever year, that's 76 or 75 or something. Yeah. The I'm Sweet sure and it, the Wombles. You can't I think, beat that. you know, I think you've got to adjust for inflation with these things because, like, <laughs> you know, not as many albums would have come out that year. So no. you wouldn't really be able to buy between 650 and 700 albums that you like from that year. It's probably impossible. <laughs> yeah. But some big hits, and I it does think, not surprise me I don't that you like Wombly Merry Christmas, of course. Well, you know, but they might not because they were in a jumble sale, so they might have been out the year before. But whatever, it was it was a big moment for me. And then I listened to like, those two records and thought, that's it. I don't need to buy any more records now. I've yeah. heard the best two. Flip side of One Blue Merry Christmas, Madame Chalet. Do you remember the Madame Chalet song? You're too young. I Madame know Chalet, <laughs> as sweet as Café au lait. <laughs> not remember a bad it all. lyric. Yeah. Quite a good lyric. Is so you're, you're like one of those people. You're so punk that you will like stuff that will annoy people who like punk music. So you, you will go, I'm going to go all in on Wombling Merry Christmas and Madame Chalet. Yeah. And just really, this will annoy everybody. And good. even punks don't dare do that. It was good stuff. It was good stuff, yeah. Madame Chalet. Madame Chalet, there was more. There was. They did a lot. They probably did 600 Womble albums that year, to be honest. So you might have been able to do it still. Mike back, clearing up, cleaning up. Um, I, I like I, the Mumbles. I haven't listened to the audio. Usually I get the audio book, but I got sent the the actual physical book of your book. So I was uh, flicking through the actual yep. book. But I presume you did your own audio book and read I it I did, yourself. but like with this one, like with the first book I did, it was all just stories about growing up and like misfortunes. And I think it's better as an audio book. Right. It's nice to listen to. With this one, I think it's better as a book because okay. uh, it's, you know, loads of albums and detailing all these records. And, and people, I had people tweet me just being like, uh, I've listened to the audio book. I think it's so good. Is there like a physical list of the books? Because I'd like to go through them. It's like, yeah. It's a physical list of all the albums. It's in the book that I wrote. And so like, that's where... So it's the kind of book where you want to kind of, you know, stop and find the album, listen to it. Yeah, and, you know, sure. You know, I can see that. Um, I do have an, I have an emergency question about audio books, which is if you oh, could yeah. have any audio... If you, you know, like audio books are quite a new thing. So there's a lot of authors in the past who never got to record their own audio books. 
Who, which oh, author yeah. would you like to hear read their own audiobook who is no longer able to do so? Brilliant. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll not say the Bible because like because <laughs> uh, I think that would be no matter what anyone's answer is. If you then offered them the Bible as an audiobook by the people who wrote it, actually, yes, I would like to hear that. Instead. Well, so, if like, God, it was you know, arguably God wrote it. Arguably. Arguably. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, you could. I mean, it it'd be, be nice. bad if he has to retake. He shouldn't know it off by heart if he's reading it. Have God yeah. in the the booth trying to. It's an irritating thing having to read your own book. I mean, yeah. he'd he'd see all the mistakes he'd made. That's what I worry about. That's I'm writing a book and I think I'm going to read this and go, why did I do that? Why did I do this? The God is going to go, why did I contradict myself so much in this? Yeah. Book? Oh no, that that sounds homophobic. <laughs> can, we, can we go again? I've worded this wrong and it sounds bad. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Um, yeah, that's my main tip for anyone writing a book is yeah. uh, every every time you, you do a proofread, read it out loud. Yeah. Because every time, when I did my first audiobook, I, as I was doing it out loud, I went, oh, I've written a bad book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you go, I, I don't like this anymore. So well, like, they should yeah. definitely do They should definitely do the audiobook before they print it. They should give you a, the yeah. proof copy and then you go, can I change it? But it would take you another month to go back and change everything, I guess. I uh, went to the printers for this uh, yeah. l- latest book. Um to go, have that experience and like they take you around the big guided tour of the printing factory it's really amazing actually and, and yeah. it, you feel really proud you go, oh yeah actually I'm a, I've written a book you know this, this is cool and then like the, they start you know you get to see it at every stage and putting it together and, and it's like really it's, it's like a proper like you know back to the future Wallace and Gromit machine it's like you know the way it all works and then the first one comes hot off and they hand it to you and they go there you go there's your, your book and I opened it and went that's wrong <laughs> That's <laughs> what this happens. That, that, I said that I that that's the last bit that I sent a correction on, and they've not made it, so that doesn't make sense. <laughs> How many of these are you putting off? And that, and they literally went, oh, done like a few hundred of them now. I, I was like, well, it's, it's all wrong. So they had to phone the publishers. And went, yeah, we're going to pulp these. Oh wow! And uh, and we're going to do some more. And I nearly was like, went full Alan Partridge and went yeah. to the pulp and place plant to watch that, but I can't. I wish I had now. Did you keep the copy that was the wrong copy? Because that's again, that's you got to think about. That's going to be worth a lot of money. I did one wrong copy, and everyone said that to me afterwards. Said you yeah. should have kept that. But what I didn't want to do because I remember at the time they were like, they said, if this is our mistake at the printing factory, we will pulp them and do it again. If it's not, we're putting them out anyway. Right. And I remember being like, if I take this book home with me, yeah. they'll think, oh, he's fine with it. <laughs> So I, ha- I I kind of made the point of leaving it there. So they were like, he does not like the book. Because <laughs> I didn't want to take it home and go, well, James seems to love it. He took it home. He reckons it'll be worth a lot one day. So, yeah, I, I kind of didn't do it, but I, I regret in a way. Yeah. I would have, I reckon if they messed the cover up or something, if it yeah. was like a stupid, then I would have kept it. Yeah. you can just look at that and go, that's it. But instead I'd have to open it and go, look, see, it says they're, it says they're from Uganda, but they're not that band. They're not from Uganda. Like, sorry, they used to put little erratums in books. That's when, you know, they, they, if there was a mistake, you'd just get a piece of paper in the book saying, on page 457, this should say right, this yeah. instead of this. But that's what yeah. you, they would have had to do, I guess, otherwise. I had visions of that in my head going, yeah. oh, no, this is going to be awful. Because it, it's already a very niche book that I was aware <laughs> was going to be like, this is all about how these albums from 2016 that are really obscure. I, it's like, I can't make a single mistake here because there's already going to be enough people who like, are going to read it going, this isn't funny. I don't care about these bands. So I was like, I was like oh, if there's one mistake, I'm dead. So yeah. It was, it, was, it was a magical day that quickly went. Also, at the start of it, they went, oh, loads of what Michael Palin, he comes here. Every single one of his books, he comes to watch it be printed. And then at the end, I was like, well, I understand why now. <laughs> That's why. Because otherwise, this would have just been released if I wasn't here. Yeah. Palin comes and goes, yeah, okay, there you go. And he goes home. <laughs> Oh man! Once you've written a book, I'm writing a short book, and it's so hard work. Mm-hmm. I'm just once it's over, I just want to, you know, I never want to look at it again. I have to say, yeah, I I, I look at it as many times as I need to <laughs> until I know it's done. Yeah. I've done it, and then it would be mad if I ever sat down to read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although you know, this book I read, I read this book a lot. We might look at that one later. Yeah. Don't um, blame you. Let's talk about, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've really talked to you about your uh, quiz show appearances. You've been on quite a lot of quiz shows. I, I'm very obsessed with quiz shows. 
You've been on Blockbuster. You've been Blockbusters and things like that. TV quiz shows. Blockbusters House of Games. I mean, Taskmaster, I think, still counts. Have you done... You've done Pointless, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you get... uh, Well, I... So, uh, three out of those four, I absolutely loved. Yeah. Um, So, like... (laughs) uh, Yeah, Pointless... Me and Joel Domit went out in the second round. Okay. But I loved it so much. It was such a great day. Because it was like, for one, it was like, you know, comedian special. So it was Alex Horn, Izzy Sooty, uh, Marlon Davis, Abba Vidal, um, Tom Allen, and Ellie uh, Taylor. And so it's everyone, I like everyone who's on it. Sure. I already know Richard Osman and like him. Haven't met Armstrong before, but then that's fun because you like, you know who he is. So you get to show off to him and maybe wind him up. <laughs> And also, you kind of go in there, and the studio's like, because it's daytime TV, no one's there. Like, the audience are like seven old people who are sat there, <laughs> who are just like that. And, and so, you're like, oh, this is like so low pressure. And also, when you're behind those podiums, it's not the same as, like, in front, it looks amazing. And then you go behind and go, that's an iPad that they <laughs> blue taxed to a stand. So, you don't feel like you're on pointless. You feel no. like you and your mate Joel are having a laugh. And then, first round, first round, we. We're in the lead by the end of the first round. Great. And we've nailed it. Me and Joel, on our questions, had got the lowest scorers that were available on the board. Yeah. Very pleased with that. It was... Um, is it synonyms when it's like... Other, you know, other meanings other, of the same word? Yeah. So, like, yeah. they've done it for TV shows. Yeah. And uh, one of them was it just said Jackson 5. And I got that it was Band of Brothers. And I was so wow. pleased with myself. That like, is I felt good. like... And at that point, I was like, we are going to win this and we're going to be the best people who've ever been on Pointless. I can't wait. The next round was um, recipes. And it was like recipes by famous chefs. And you just had to name any ingredient which might be in any of those recipes. You didn't even have to be specific about which recipe. And it was all pasta recipes. And I think Joel went for capers. And I like almost applauded him. I was like, that's (laughs) what you legend. That's definitely going to be in one of them. And it will be like a really low answer. Yeah. It wasn't even on there. Wow. So we got 100. And then it was really on, the pressure was on for me. Sure. And in a moment of madness and maybe arguably genius, <laughs> I remembered that sometimes people put dark chocolate into spaghetti bolognese oh, to God. clump yeah, up okay. the beef. And at that point, if we didn't get a really low one, we weren't going through. So I had to take the risk. And also I had to remember, remind myself that when I'm watching these shows at home, all I want them to do is take the risk. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want them to play it safe. Although to be fair, I was playing for a charity. <laughs> that charity then got the fuck all. So like, that was really bad. But I said chocolate, wasn't on the board. I was pacing around anxiously and broke. the. I, I lent on the iPad and it came off of the stand as I was doing it. So it was a nice... Also, at one point, everybody sat down. Oh, yes, I've, happened on I've seen before. that clip. And that, that was clip. a special moment that yeah. I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, those shows are great. You can I go like back. That. You know, I've been on it four times on Pointless. Have you? Well, yeah, I you can go I'll back. Get on it again. Go back. It was uh, the best episode ever. Yeah. They said. Um, and what, which one didn't you like then? It must be Blockbusters. Blockbusters, blockbusters you didn't like. Absolutely must... loved Blockbusters. You loved Blockbusters. So you didn't like yeah. House of Game. You didn't like Taskmaster. Loved Taskmaster. So you didn't like House of Games? <laughs> no. Why didn't you like House of Games? I've already spoke great. about this, so it's fine. Oh, so first of all, though, everybody yeah. who works on House of Games is lovely. It's That's amazing. The, the team is brilliant. Richard's brilliant. Um, my problem was... <laughs> so I was a bit like you. Uh, so I was just winning every game. Yeah. So I won the first th- three of them. Yeah. And not by... Not by a little. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it doesn't mean, because House of Games is a stupid, you know, it's silly games yeah, yeah. that are kind of geared towards comedians' yeah. mind because they're, yeah. they're silly, daft puzzles. They're not even like proper, difficult puzzles. It's like puzzles with a sense of humour to them. So if you're a comic, you're kind of going to be thinking in that way when you're writing jokes. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean that you're cleverer than everyone on the panel. It means that, oh, you've played into my hands and I can do this. Yeah. But then everyone else, when they're not doing well at a game, rarely sees it like that. <laughs> and uh, I was on with Anne Diamond. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, a guy from Top Gear called Rory. Apologies for not remembering your full name, mate. I should have, I should remember it. Rory Reed, I think. And uh, also Samantha Wymouth used to be Samantha Janus. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, um, and we were all, we all got there in the morning. <laughs> Everyone's getting on. Because you film all five episodes in a day. And... 
go in, do the first one, and we come off of it, and um, I kind of, one, you know, a few of them are like, it seemed fair. Those questions a bit silly. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's a silly show. And they go in the second one, and I won again, and they were a bit <laughs> like, look, looking at me. They're like, oh, you won again, did you? I was like, oh, yeah, good fun. Good fun, isn't it? <laughs> and then the third one, I win again. And then I never thought this would happen to me in my life, but we came off and I was just standing in the green room between shows and Anne Diamond <laughs> just comes straight up to me. And she goes, you know, this doesn't mean anything. You know, this doesn't mean you're clever. You know, it's just a stupid game for stupid people with stupid brains. <laughs> and, I was there like, <laughs> and then Womack kind of came up behind her and was like, yeah, this doesn't mean people are smart. It's just silly, silly puzzles doesn't mean anything. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's just a laugh, isn't it? It's like, it's just silly. And like, you know, in that last one, I think I, 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 want, I want a bread bin. <laughs> like, it's, it's a silly, it is silly. And, uh, and they were, and they really hated it. And like, you know, we had to go back to the fourth one, and they were like, "Fuck this, we're going back <laughs> in doing this again." And so, like, and then I think I was walking in, and someone, <laughs> and then it was, but they, no one else knew that this was going on. Uh, so, the 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 team and everybody made to show are trying to have fun with the kind of like, because I think normally they have to work hard to get everyone to pretend like they care about it. Yeah. So normally they have to be like, okay, remember everyone, we're trying to beat James. He's won three in a row. So let's really be mean to him and stuff like that. And I'm there going, no, you don't understand. They are actually being mean to me. Like, I, 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 don't need a, I don't need any more of this. And then, and then I stop. I got a lot of people. I was still on Twitter at the time when it went out. I got a lot of people tweeting me about it, being like, why in episode four do you stop trying to play the game? Why did you stop answering questions and you just sit there? And in episode five, again, the same thing. You didn't, you didn't participate. <laughs> and um, one thing that was funny is that, like, we went and did episode four. I didn't, you know, I just sat there sulking, <laughs> which, which is poor form. You yeah. know, I should just get on with it and play it anyway. But, like, I was just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Everyone's being a dick. <laughs> so I just didn't, didn't play anymore. And Diamond won. And that episode finished, and then we walking out, and she, she just went, "It's such a great show. It's just so much fun. It's just so light-hearted and fun." And oh, I really can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> she won that episode, uh, but then I won at the end still. Yeah, and it's me with the trophy, kind of like like that, at the camera just really not happy <laughs> at all that I'm just doing doing this. But then I was meant to meet up with. Because it finishes quite early, and yeah. I'd arranged to go to down to the South Bank because uh, the other Billy Festival was on, and meet Nish Kumo and Ed Gamble and hang out with them. Um, but we finished a bit earlier, and Ed and Nish wouldn't be free for another two hours, so I stayed and hung out with the crew. Yeah, and just got smashed because like because like no one was really drinking all day. They got a normal green room because it's daytime. No one was touching any of the booze. Yeah. So after the show, I was like, "Just drink all this." So I was slagging off, you know, going, "Ah, oh, they were dicks to me and all this." And everyone's like, "Well, you, you hit it well." I was like, "No, I didn't." And ah, just getting hammered. <laughs> and then I went to meet Ed and Nish. And it was like a walk, it, so it wasn't that far a walk. So like, I just thought I'd just walk it, and I'm just out my head. Yeah. And I've got the House of Games trophy. <laughs> And I'm just walking down the street. I'm walking, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm smacking it against lampposts, and I'm running it against fence, like metal fence rails, and like, and just like not showing it any respect at all, denting it. Yeah. I just walk up, and then I go under one of those big bridges at Waterloo, and Milton Jones's son is walking towards me, and I know him quite well through supporting Milton on tour. I used to see him like once a week. And I was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And I'm like, also. <laughs> Milton Jones' son, so all of Milton Jones' family are just lovely people who every time, do you have people in your life who every time you meet them, you come across as an absolute lunatic? And you're yeah. like, and you want to go, that's not who I am. 
but they never, but but they would never believe you because every time they've seen you, you've been acting weird. Yeah. And like, so every time he'd met me before was like when I went to Milton's house pre-tour show and I was a newcomer. So I was nervous as hell that I had a gig that night in a thousand seater. So I was always acting like a weirdo. And then he'd see me after some show. They'd come to see shows. He'd see me afterwards. I'd always say something. I think one of his friends once after a gig tried to do a, you know, a playful joke to me going like, oh, Milton was great. You not so much. And I was like, fuck you. And like, and then, and then like, and then instantly like, why did I say that? Why did I just say fuck you? He's just trying to be funny. Uh, and so like, I've always come across as bad in front of yeah. family in my head. So I bump into his son. I'm hammered. I've got a dentist trophy. And I'm like, hey man, I just did a show. And I'll tell you what, and Diamond's a wanker. And, all, and he's like, okay. Uh, like, and he's kind of trying to look for other things to talk to me about. <laughs> and, uh, and then two people came up to me, members of the public walking past, and they saw I had the trophy. And they went, and they didn't know who I was or anything, but they just went, hey, 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 mate. Oh, did, did you win that playing bingo or something? And I went, yeah, I did. Watch this shit. And then I threw it in the air. And then it smashed on the floor into about like eight different people. <laughs> and then... Obviously, Milton's son's just looking at me like, this guy has got some serious issues. Every time I see him, he just seems to be unhinged. And so I have to, like, the, the bowl part of the trophy is intact on its own. So I have to kind of put the ears in separately and the base and all the different bits into the bowl. Yeah. So I kind of put all the broken bits into that. And I walk in and meet Ed and Nish. And I'll see, I'll see them and they're delighted that I've smashed the trophy already and that it's, it's decimated. And then on the way home, I gave it to a busker. A busker <laughs> and I just put it in his basket and carried on walking and left him with this <laughs> trophy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all my other friends who have won it all have trophies trying to place in their house. Yeah. And mine, mine's just been sold for scraps somewhere. I've got it? two. I've got the champion of champions. Were you not invited back for champion of champions? <laughs> No, I think that they were like, <laughs> it's too risky to get him back on again. He vocally told us how much he didn't enjoy it after the first one. I got a drug up. I had the same thing. I mean, Rachel Riley won the first one, and then I kind of got the gist of it and kind of won, I think, most, maybe I won all the rest of them. And yeah, she her moods changed noticeably through the, through the day. <laughs> and they all left, and I sat, sat there drinking with the Osman and his then girlfriend and the crew. But yeah, and I got quite drunk as well. It was quite good. Then the second series was in Glasgow, so you got to go to Glasgow. Got oh, flew up I mean, there. I, I would like, I would love to do it again with people because, like, I enjoyed the games. Loads. Yeah, I mean, and you I thought. I thought, oh my man, if I was on with people who liked me, <laughs> this would be so great. <laughs> it's one of the most fun shows I've ever done. Oh well, that's fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed that very much. Uh, let me ask you. Oh, I don't think I've asked you this emergency question, which mm. is, and to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if all the museums and art galleries in the world got together and said, we're going to give James Acaster one thing, you can take one item, painting, oh. sculpture, artifact, and it's his, which one thing would you like to oh own from God. all the museums and art galleries in the world? That is that is a very good question. Thank that, you. Um, well, I think so. I'm just going to have a bit more Bella's pudding while you think about it. Of course you are. Because I'm just coming down off the first hit. Yeah. Oh, man, this mean, is it. It's absolutely it, 100%. Oh, this is my genuine answer. Okay. And it's going to sound and, it, and it's a stupid answer in a way, but I, 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 there's nothing else I'd want. So there's, I've spoken about this before on different things, but there's um, the Manor House Museum in Kettering. It's okay. a very t tiny little museum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just obviously about local stuff. And since I was a little kid, I've been going there, school visits and various things. Once um, Billy Boyd from uh, the Lord of the Rings films went there to sign autographs for yeah. no reason. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I mean, the, the films were coming out at the time, but yeah. it was very odd to get one of the hobbits to come to the Manor House Museum and sign autographs. <laughs> yeah. like, two James, Hobbits Rock, Billy Boyd. Loved it. He's right. Um, I, there's a thing there. One of the exhibits there is a mummified cat, which was found <laughs> in a wall in Kettering. Uh, and, it's gross. It looks horrible. Yeah, like it's just completely. You can Google it and see it, but it's a, you know, this horrible husk of a cat, <laughs> and uh, everyone who goes to the museum, it's, you know, freaks out when they see it. So it's <laughs> become a really big part of my life, uh, <laughs> and my upbringing was this mummified cat that everyone was freaking out over, and I think I would love to have that in my like if if I. Yeah, have anything displayed in my flat. 
Yeah, I think that I've got more of a connection with that than I have with the Mona, the Mona Lisa. But if you anything, took you the know. Mona Lisa, you could probably afford to buy the mummified cat yeah. with, <laughs> and have a few billion pounds left over. So Good point. I you could go to the Kettering Museum and go, yeah. "Can I? How much for the cat?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't think do you, they would sell it. I mean, that's the thing. It's, some things are priceless in a different way, aren't they? It's if it's yeah, the heart well, of the museum. I think they would sell it because uh, there was a. <laughs> One of the other things that was quite uh, a big deal was this model of a Celtic man holding up a sword like that, and he had right. all these tattoos. And it was like that was also like really everyone in Kettering knew that guy. Yeah, uh, and and, and they sold that to a cafe in, in, <laughs> in, in Milton Keynes or somewhere, and it's just inexplicably in the corner of a, of the world. So More I, I museums should sell stuff. That's why I think, I think if they went at the yeah. end, well, I, a, I think if museums did a sort of supermarket sweep every now and again, just said, yeah. you know, you're one person's going to win today and you're allowed to take one thing home. I think that would get more people into museums. But yes. B, they should just go, how much, how much will you give us for this? Because they've got yeah. way, most of them have got way too much stuff. Oh, they have. I mean, obviously, you know, in reality, if I had to do it for real, You'd get something from the British Museum and give it back to the country they stole it from. That's, that's it, a good idea. What, that's what you'd actually do, because <laughs> uh, the British Museum have got way too much stuff, none of which is theirs, and it would be good to just like, yeah, <laughs> give give it back and then go. There you go. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, I think it would be more insulting if the British Museum gave the Elgin Marbin marbles to you, <laughs> said yeah. that you can have them. Do what, we're not going to give them back. Oh, well, I'm going to give them back. Yeah. Well, no, I don't care. We're not giving them back. But we'll give them to you, James A. Caster. Give them to James A. Caster. <laughs> You've been a good bloke. He, he did a routine on them once. <laughs> I did, did a routine on them, and I was did absolutely you? astounded at like, because you know when you kind of do like, there's some things in stand up where you think, well, no one will disagree with me on this, <laughs> and then absolutely astonishing when some people go, no, no, we should keep them. Like, really? <laughs> where the hell have you got that from? <laughs> no, nah, we should keep them. They're ours now. We've had them longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> astonishing well there we go um and i'll ask you this a most question i've been asking recently a lot um who is the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with that you didn't get into the lift with though you can't have got in with them as your friend you had to get in and then they were there or they got in after you could have got on on the same floor but you weren't with yeah. them when they got on do you understand the question because Ashlyn B didn't understand the question i fully understand the okay, question <laughs> christopher biggins is it yep Anything? Christopher Biggins. Uh, it was at a hotel. Again, again on the Milton Jones tour. So, you know, a, a bigger deal for me when I saw celebs then. Nowadays, don't give a shit. Back then, I remember the doors opening and Biggins standing there early morning. He, he, he got up just in... We both got up just in time for breakfast. We've both done the thing where you leave it as late as you can and then go down for, to get the breakfast. Doors opened and he was staring... He clearly thought, and he also did that thing we've all fallen for, where you've pressed ground floor on the way down. Someone else has pressed it, but you haven't. You think it's the ground floor, yeah. So, so you step off like it, confidently, like it's the ground floor, <laughs> and then you realise, oh no, this is floor three. It's another, another load of bedrooms, and I now need to get back on the list. And so, I get got to see Biggins do a little panic, walk off all days with his, with a little tufty in his hair to just up, realise this is not the breakfast bar, and then. Get back on the lift with me. Nice. Uh, I said I said hello to him, and uh, he said hello back, but in a very good way that let me know I'm not in the mood. <laughs> so I was like, "Yep, fair enough." Yeah, I see. So I would have thought Christopher Biggins would front it out and pretend that that was his floor and just wait for the next lift. That's the kind of guy yeah. I would think. That's the I, so I'm, that's good detail to know that he would admit his error in front of you. And step I think in. if it was another time of day and he wasn't going down to get breakfast at the last minute, yeah. he would risk it. But yeah. I think. That the seconds, like time was of the essence. And if he had just got off that lift and started out, he could have been looking at being refused service. Because sometimes those lifts in the morning when they're busy, it can yeah. often take four or five minutes. It's quicker yeah. to go down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. You, you just, you just, I mean, I, I always actually, I rarely take the lifts now on tour because <laughs> I, I'm getting so little exercise on tour that I just, any chance I get, I'm yeah. exercising. So uh, always the lift. And Joel Domit told me, that Bruce Lee never took lifts and he always took the stairs. So every time I, I'm taking the stairs, I always think to myself, Bruce Lee always took the stairs. <laughs> like, like, like I'm Bruce Lee now. <laughs> worked out. Oh, well, it didn't work out for him in the end, but it worked out for him in the short term. It wasn't because it it wasn't, wasn't of lifts, was it? That then they went no, right. worked out for Joel. He looks good. <laughs> he does look good. Yeah. Well, um, 
were you going to go to the Melbourne Festival this year? Was was that on the cards or was that? I wasn't. I went last no. year, and uh, I was this year was going to be a complete break from right. any stand up at all. Like I deliberately taken a year off. Yeah. Um. So good. Yeah. Year, good choice. Like, good choice. I mean, I feel awful about like my my lockdown has been easy. Yeah. And so mainly what I've been doing is just feeling like an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> I was feeling really guilty because of that. Um, well, look, we've nearly used up all the time we've got with you. Um, is there, do you, what's, what, is there anything coming up that you know? I mean, because obviously everything is stalled somewhat as a result of uh, sure. the world stopping. Is there anything coming up that we should? You've been doing another podcast. I know about. Well, that's the, the thing. Book. It's 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 uh, it's the best time ever to be a podcaster. Yeah. It? <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I perfect sounds. It's called James A. Cass's Perfect Sounds. It's on BBC Sounds and various other platforms, Apple, Spotify, and stuff like that. And the uh, twenty-minute episodes, right? We're doing a, a lot of them, and every week I've sent a different masterpiece from twenty sixteen to a guest, and they come on. They tell me what I thought of it, it's kind of like an album club. I tell them why I think it's incredible, and by the end of the episode, I see if they will admit that twenty sixteen <laughs> is the greatest year for music of all time. Good. Um, I've absolutely loved it. Like every week, it's the highlight of my uh, working week. At least is like getting to do the episodes of you know chatting the comedians about albums that I and I've deliberately like you know like I say I, don't, I didn't buy any albums that I didn't like. Yeah, I'm not doing episodes on any albums that I don't love. Sure, like I love all of them. And it's been a real lesson. And I've come a long way since that kid who flipped out when he got told popping a note sounded like a joke. <laughs> I'm very good at handling now if people don't like the same music as me. We're yeah. like, yeah, you know what? That's that's yes. We're different people. It's subjective. Um, but yeah, it's been so great, especially the cool. obscure albums to kind of draw some attention to those and shine a light on them. Um, cool. And, and off menus continuing onwards, I presume. Yeah, we just finished uh, the third series and we're going to do a fourth one. Um, we've got loads in the can already from America and we're going to start recording some more soon. So, yeah, again. Well, good luck, luck finding a better guest than me. That's what to I be honest, to to yeah. I mean, I, 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 we'll, be, we'll do well to find one who, I mean, you, you are definitely some people's favourite guest we've ever had <laughs> and other people think it doesn't really count as an episode. <laughs> Well, I'm counting this as an episode. Thank you very much, James Thank Acaster. You. Thank you to O2, Priority O2, for looking after us. Priority on O2. Uh, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed this O2 customers and then the rest of the world eventually. But, still getting uh, paid the same amount for this, by the way? You Yeah, keep me. in the episode. Both of us. We're still getting exactly the same as usual. As we were going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. So we don't have to leave the house. I need to re-invoice for it. I think you've I been paid already. I think they said they paid you no, already. No, they haven't. They haven't because there was a, there was a typo on the invoice. Oh, is that okay? That's yeah, no, you're getting the same money as far as I know. So I that's pretty be, good, isn't it? Because because I tell you what, <laughs> I tell you what, this was in the diary. Gonna do it. Then the whole comedians fund thing happened. Yeah. And comedians went, and then oh, what should pop up in my inbox? A little email from Richard Herring. <laughs> Tell it, everybody. Hey, everyone. I think it would be really good of us comics who are lucky enough to still to have an income and to save up from all our, our fortunate work over the years. It'd be good of us to give our money to this comedian's fund. I personally, Richard Heron, am giving uh, 10 or 20% of... I've got two things coming up soon, which I'm, I'm assuming was it was this. Yeah, I'm. You know, I was very upset when this got cancelled. I've got, I've got, I've got two quite, quite fortunately well paid things coming up. I'm, I'm going to give twenty percent of my earnings from these to, to the comedians, but I would recommend everyone does the same if you've got anything coming up. And I read it. I was like, oh fuck's sakes, Heron sent me this, and he knows that I've got. He knows exactly how much I'm about to get paid for something. So now. I've got to do this now. I've got to go in and, and I was like, well, I'll, 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 I'll definitely donate to it. I'll get it done. <laughs> and then this Chortle article came out. It was like, ah, oh, people have donated to it. Richard Herring donated £10,000. <laughs> and, and I was like, he fucking didn't go anonymous. What is this? He always has to have credit for it. He always has to make it about himself bad enough. He's hijacked International Women's Day. And now he's doing this. I was, I was like, oh, God. So I went on. I didn't donate as much as you, but I don't. Yeah. But I'm, I assume I wasn't getting paid the same amount as you no, for those uh, not. those gigs. To be fair, <laughs> uh, you, you were putting in a lot more work. But uh, uh, I, I begrudgingly gave yeah. more than I wanted to, and, I, and then when <laughs> and then when it looked like 
this wasn't going to happen. I was like, that, what the fuck? I, I gave a percentage <laughs> of what I was going to get from the O2 gig, and now that's not even happening anymore? And then when it was like over Zoom, I was like, there's no way they're going to pay us the same amount over Zoom. <laughs> they're going to pay us the same. So it's all right. And it's the same for me. And I only did it non-anonymously because I knew that that would make everyone else have to do it. That's why I did it. it and did. it worked. Well, if, I did, I, did, if I'd it, been anonymous, no one would have done it. it made and I knew I could shame you all into giving money. It raised 100 oh. grand, that charity. So that was very good and helped. Yes, absolutely. Helped a lot of comedians through three or four months. 100 so. grand, a, a big percentage of that was you. <laughs> 10 grand was Richard Herring. I've never admired someone and been so disgusted by them at the same time so much. Just... Well, thank you very much for doing it. I'm glad we're getting paid. Uh, that's yes. taken a lot of weight off my worries as well. Um, and I'll see you again very soon. Thank you very yes. much, ladies and gentlemen. James A. Gaster. Thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, James Acaster. Thank you very much to Ian Oxygen and everyone at O2 for providing us with the funding to do this show. Uh, thank you very much also to Chris Evans, not that one, uh, who has uh, done a lot of work behind the scenes as always. Also, thank you, I'm indebted to my producer Ben Walker, who did a lot of the work on the original version uh, that we were going to do at the O2. Imagine if we'd been at the O2, how excited that would have been. It was still good though, wasn't it? Uh, I am indebted to uh, Catherine, Kathleen McKeegan, who runs the fantastic Rahalastapa, rahalastapa.co.uk, which is a wonderful research tool. For me, I am also indebted to our executive producer, Richie James. Uh, we called him Jamie Rich in that backstage. Me and uh, James A. Caster, that was the nickname we came up from. He had a lot of helpful notes, though, on the, on the show. Uh, this is a gofasterstripe.com, Sky Potato, rahalaspa.co.uk and Fuzz Production. Why not head to gofasterstripe.com slash badges and become a monthly badger? There's lots of extras as well as all those lovely things you get like membership cards and stuff. And one of the bonus videos in this week's up there now is this is me making Bella's pudding, showing you how to make Bella's pudding from start to finish. You can what it's like a cooking video. I would hope you're all gonna make it yourself. Uh, but you need to be a monthly badger to see that, my fan friend. So why not become one? There's all lots of backstage interviews. There's an extra bit with James Acaster as well uh, that we did the week before to test everything was working. So go and check that out, my fan friends. We put up the director's commentary of me talking to Brian Brian Besson this week as well. So there's lots of stuff up there, hundreds and hundreds of videos. It's worth your £3 a month. Plus you get into the monthly draw, you get all sorts of bonus extras because we love you and it helps us keep these podcasts rolling out to you, my fine, fine friends. You're my fine friends. Thank you for listening, my fine friends. <laughs> <laughs>